Welcome, everyone, to It Simply Isn't Done, the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Reverend Jess Davenport. And I am Reverend Barry Petrucci. We are the pastors at Chapel Hill Church. And together we are the, the Irreverent Reverends. And uh, like the name would suggest, this podcast is the message from Sunday, where we share the scripture and then the sermon, and uh, we meet you back for some reflection on that message. There will be an opportunity to, if you look down in the notes, you will see a place where you can go directly to the reflection. If you already listened to the scripture uh, on the sermon, or if you just want to skip them all together and uh, just hear what we have to think about it, um, you can go there. We're happy you're here. We are indeed. It's week three of PHC Playlist. This week, Barry preached on the fermata. And uh, if you listened along heard the scripture and the message, you are welcome to join us for some reflection, and you can check the timestamp for where that will be. The scripture this morning is from the first chapter of Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee, a word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen. So in the first service, um, we spent a lot of time with the choir and with um, the hymnody, the, car- the, uh, the songs that we sang, the hymns that we sang, and Tissy helped me out in the opening of the message. Um, Fermata is our third week theme for PCH Playlist. Jess started it uh, three weeks ago with sacred and profane, understanding that music uh, is really neither sacred nor profane. It's what we bring to it and what we get from it and that uh, God's spirit is present in and through it. Um, last week I did a piece on dynamics, right? So the really small voice of God on through to the dynamic big voice that I'm able to do now. Um, fermata is this week's, and fermata is a particular marking in music, in sheet music, where a normal note gets extended at the whim of whoever's leading. Okay? So, uh, and the purpose of the extension is to deepen meaning, to get a better sense of the emotion connected to it. The extended note then stops, heart stop, and then a breath, we get to renew in order to go on for more. 
Um, it, it, it is epiphany season for us. And we're going to do a little bit of We Three Kings from Orient R. I know you're used to doing that at Christmas, but here's the secret. That is not a Christmas carol. Those three wise ones, those three kings, were not at the manger in Bethlehem. They come later. But I know all of our nativity sets, our crush scenes, all have these really handsome, tall dudes in colorful outfits standing there. Uh, and We Three Kings has bought into that, and we sing it at Christmas time. But we're going to honor Epiphany season, which is really the light coming into the world. It is the light that guides those three wise guys to where Jesus and family ultimately are. Um, you know, let's just try it. We three kings of Orient are breathed bearing gifts we traverse afar. Breathe. You need to. I know you do. <laughs> Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder Good job, Cat. You, 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 we got, we got, we got, we got choral voices here. We could do this. They even followed my meager directions. You know, anything is possible. Extended, right? We're doing this extended meaning, extended emphasis, a hold on a point to be made, a release. And then a breath, a continuation, a continuation. So when we started talking about PCH playlist and what we wanted to put in there, I really thought Fermata said an awful lot about the spiritual life. Um, because we get it confused with our dailies. And our dailies are frenetic. They keep going and going and going. And we do not give ourselves time to hold to stop, to breathe, and then to move on. If the spiritual life is anything, it is, it is that. It is that ability to cut off, take a breath, and move on to a continuation. So some of you who have been around knew that I went on a renewal leave the middle of August to the middle of October. It was all part of Jess and my uh, transitional plan for Chapel Hill uh, because I'm going to be done here on June 9th. A uh, new pastor coming in for July, and I'll be going to serve a congregation outside of Grand Rapids in Wyoming. And um, the, the intentional leave was so that I could get away and do some spiritual growth kinds of things and so that Jess could have two months of being the pastor and you would know her as the pastor. Um, so my renewal leave 
Okay, pretty much crashed and burned, uh, to be blunt. Um, so in August, that part of things where Lisa and I were supposed to spend some time together heading east, visiting uh, Bree and Nick in the Boston area, going to see Springsteen, um, and then doing some traveling in uh, Canada and so forth. Um, Lisa's folks ended up really ill, dad in hospice at 100 years old, and our attention was needed back here. So what we were able to do was fly, see Springsteen, and fly home again. <laughs> We have our priorities. <laughs> the second half of leave was intentionally set aside for me to go do camping on my own. I had a nice, what they call a two-person tent. Not for me, it's a one-person tent. Um, and I was starting here and just heading north in Michigan and then heading west along US 2 all the way out to Vancouver, British Columbia was the plan. Sounded wonderful. And, and I tell you, the first days were wonderful, did colored rocks, you know, and did uh, this wonderful, wonderful, a number of wonderful areas, uh, happy to talk to you about individually. But uh, on the sixth night, right on the Wisconsin and, and uh, Minnesota border, I woke up in the middle of the night with 168 pulse, sweating like crazy, and uh, it was problematic. And so I needed to drive myself to the ER. Um, after this episode of atrial fib, I knew where, what it was because I had it before, um, but I got to the hospital, they got it reset with medication, and, but in the process I was diagnosed with a thyroid problem, Graves' disease, how awful a name is that, Graves' disease. Um, it's another autoimmune disease, and I already have an autoimmune disease, so I figure I should only have to have one. <laughs> that was wrong. Um, but the new autoimmune disease interacted with the multiple sclerosis and set off all kinds of old nerve inflammations from 24 years of MS, and basically every symptom I ever had from MS I had Boom, at once. Eyes, balance, gait, voice impacted. If some of you were around Christmas Eve, if I sounded drunk to you, I was not. Uh, I was having slurred speech issues. So um, got all the doctors lined up and started doing, doing meds and care and all that. Started physical therapy on my voice right away. That was my biggest concern, then mobility and balance. I say all this because most everyone has something. You know, I see nods heading. You've nods heads nodding. Ah, have I no, have I mentioned my speech is a problem? Um, be, everyone has something. I don't tell you this to show you how unique I am, but to how much we run in the same circles. We are in an age of religious belief, where most of us understand things in a balanced kind of model of science and faith. As much as I prayed and other pray, others prayed for my conditions, those prayers did not preclude me from trusting the science behind my autoimmune conditions. They did not preclude me from seeing multiple specialist docs. They did not preclude me from taking medications prescribed. They did not preclude me from working with ther therapists to get things back up and working again. Prayer is in and through it all. 
and it is not all. Enter the earliest of our gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, the Gospel of Mark. Last week, we read about Jesus calling the first apostles from the beaches of Galilee, and they are lovely beaches. Um, there they were, fisher folk who had little experience with anything else, and Jesus said, follow me. And they said something like, okay, in Aramaic. <laughs> None of them dared say, well, where are we going? Or what happens? Um, they followed on a gut trust that this was one worth following, worth risking a fishy career to follow. This week, we head over to Capernaum in the Galilee region. It is home to Peter and Peter's wife and his mother-in-law, and it's the home of the community synagogue. It was Sabbath, either Friday night or Saturday morning. The text is not specific, and Jesus was teaching. The townsfolk were amazed by the authority with which he taught, quite different than the scribes who copied the manuscripts and taught from taught from what they knew from the other manuscripts. That center of worship and teaching was interrupted by a guy in the synagogue crying out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. So in the work of learning, there is this abrupt interruption. And Jesus calls back, be quiet and come out of him. The text actually says something that's closer to shut up. Uh, I know that most of us teach our kids not to say that, but Jesus yells, shut up, come out of him. What was understood as an unclean spirit came out in a voice of torment and a stop, a hard silence followed as all in the place were breathing heavily for Mata. All were, all were amazed and kept inquiring of each other about Jesus. What is this new teaching? This has authority. He even commands unclean spirits and they obey. And Jesus' fame then spread throughout all the region. It was a fight scene, right? A fight scene. See, Jesus had just had the one-to-one -one battle just a few verses ago in Mark. One-to-one -one battle of intellects with Satan in the wilderness. Remember that? 40 days in the wilderness. A very unpublic location that was. It was just Jesus and the adversary. This fight scene happens in a very public space where observers need to decide what was happening and whether there was a winner or not, or whether it was even about winning and losing. Reading this as 21st century followers of Christ, we have some, we have some decisions to make. I would suggest that before we talk about those decisions, we would do well to rehearse our own fermata pattern again. Hold. Stop. Big breath in. Big breath out. Don't worry about the linguine you had last night. And then move on. 
In our culture, when I say we have some decisions to make, most of us rub our hands and go, cool, I love good decisions. Let's make them quick and move on. That's what we like. But part of our challenge in the 21st century, in 21st century discipleship, is that we think it is all about putting the Christian stamp of approval on the decision and moving on quickly. Right? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Boom. It fits on a bumper sticker, but it's lousy theology. I want to suggest that we would do well to hold it out to fully appreciate the drama of the moment, to understand maybe, to savor perhaps, to sense and trust our measuring the authority of the Christ, to watch what happens, to hear both the cacophony and the silence, to take it all in. And I want to suggest that we can hold all of that simultaneously for a while to measure, to appreciate, to wonder, and to be curious. We're desperately short of curiosity in the Christian faith. I want to encourage us to think about that. We don't have to have all the answers all the time right away. It is okay to hold on and be curious. I want to suggest a hard stop and a breath before asking the questions in community. Those questions that surround the things that Wesley talked about as experience and reason and tradition and scripture, they're all best talked about in community. It's why I encourage Bible study here, where we could all look at the same text and say, this is what I see, this is what I see. Let's leave that alone for a little while and come back to it. We give permission in community to hold things in a delicate balance, to be curious. As the text of this morning had it, they all started asking each other questions about what they had all heard, seen, experienced, but comparing notes helped confirm that this was authority unlike any they had experienced. This was the one who could restore life. Jesus says, shut up, come out of him, come out. If that's a familiar phrase to you, it might be because you're familiar with that story of Lazarus being put in the tomb and Jesus not coming till four days later and everyone saying he's dead, he's dead a long time, he's going to stink, don't do it, don't open the tomb. And Jesus opens it and says, Lazarus. Come out. In a worldly sense, Jesus did not have any power at all. He was not a worldly king with political or military power. The only authority he had was the supreme confidence that what he did and said was God's will and God's truth. His authority lay in the sheer power of his words and in the example of his deeds. His authority lay in living, in his living as God's servant. Jesus used his authority not to obtain power for himself, but to serve humanity, to exemplify what kingdom of God living looked like. Jesus acted in authority, brought blessings to people, health and healing and wholeness. 
His authority possessed an irresistible power that drew people not through manipulation, but simply by the person that he was and the truth of his own existence and the gifts that he gave. How different was this authority from the conception of power and authority in our local, state, and national politics right now? We experience our politicians as those who manipulate. Often we experience them as those who say one thing and do another. They seem to only use their authority for self-aggrandizement, for seeking short-term gain, even, even if that means doing the wrong thing rather than doing the right thing and trusting that in the long term, in the lens of history, not to mention through the eyes of God, they will be vindicated. Jesus has authority that has a long view. I thank my online colleague in ministry, the Reverend Dawn Hutchings, for motivating my work this week in um, a piece that she published on this particular Mark text. Uh, Jesus' authority was unabashed, right? Dawn writes about what Jesus was up to. She says, shut up and come out of yourself. Whew. Come out of your selfishness. Come out of your obsessive, obsessive fixation on your own needs. Come out of the madness that threatens the planet. Come out of your hate-filled insistence upon violence as the only answer. Come out of your endless, greedy obsessions that perpetuate injustice. Shut up. Come out of the insanity. Jesus' harshness in the face of our response for, to, te to his teaching cuts us to the quick. And if we are not convulsing and crying loudly, she says, then perhaps we haven't heard Jesus at all. Perhaps that's just where the fermata needs to be placed, where the fermata comes in, to hold the note out to consider the harsh note of Jesus, to hold it delicately and curiously, then, then to hard stop it and to breathe into it. Only then moving on to the next phrase, the next phase, to wonder about the authoritative writer, the conductor, the sovereign, and what that person will have for us next. May it be so. Amen. Welcome back. Yes. So this was fun. This was, uh, the Fermata was a concept you came up with. I think we were at Water Street talking about the series. As probably as, you know, all the best ideas I've ever had have been at Water Street. <laughs> and um, we were thinking about musical concepts that might help us fashion um, a connection to our faith life. Oh. And you led folks in understanding a fermata. I trust so. It was a little different at 9 and 11, but uh, yeah. it happened. You know, Tissy, as Tissy Wood plays very well with others, and is happy to go with the stream of consciousness. But yeah, I mean, basically, the uh, fermata is uh, a, a, a conducted or directed extended hold uh, beyond what a note normally uh, does. And it's usually at the end of a phrase, and it's for meaning uh, or transition. But then at the end of that, it's a hard stop 
and a breath, mm-hmm. which seemed to me like a, a natural fit in for kind of some fairly decent spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was the main idea you were hoping folks would get from the message? Um, so the scripture was, was the second of the Gospel of Mark texts for this series. Um, last week it was the call, and this week it's um, Jesus showing up in the synagogue. And it struck me that there was a real juxtaposition going on between the very private confrontation that Jesus had in the wilderness with the adversary, or you know, we typically use the translation Satan, um, but that very private arm wrestling with with uh, an adversary who would have Jesus do something other than the leading that, that he felt was uh, correct as far as God was concerned. And then in the synagogue, very public place of people of faith, uh, somebody from within that community, um, and again, in this text, it's not clear whether this whether this individual has been excised from the community, which would have been typical for people with mental illness or delusional activity. Um, but this one stands up in the middle and, and starts yelling out, uh, we, we know who you are. And Jesus tells him to shut up. I know. Did you, was that fun, being able to say, Jesus said, shut up? Yeah, yeah it was. And, <laughs> and I think it's right. I mean, I think that, that's, that's a good reading. Um, and it's shut up and come out. Mm-hmm. And it was so stark to me that come out language that, that um, uh, verbally it's the same it's, it's the same that we get in John with Lazarus, Lazarus being yeah. called out of the, out of the tomb. Um, so yeah, I, what was I, what was I hoping people would get? I was hoping people would t- get some would take away some permission to shut up, mm-hmm. um, to take a beat and breathe mm-hmm. uh, because we are so frenetic in our time and in our culture yeah. uh, and being giving ourselves space for some contemplation some space to breathe uh, is a is a countercultural kind of thing yeah i was also thinking about with the fermata um, and your and your message how for this probably applies to everyone. I think particularly those of us who um, came about in the digital age, things just move much faster. You know, if you, I forget which movie we watched from the 70s. Maybe Paper Chase. Um, and like cinematography was so vastly different. You could spend a lot of time on scenes that did not actively have the plot moving. Um, and they were really, you know, kind of contemplative and it was stylistic. Um, or even listening to old radio shows and folks with the transatlantic accent how it's you know things we just move a lot faster our media moves a lot faster we speak a lot faster and I think um, that has led to a lack of capacity for resilience so the fermata um, the the first half is really you know um, getting if you're singing um, or playing an instrument depending on what you're playing but making sure your lung capacity can hold and sustain a note for as long as you might need at someone else's direction. I think that part is also super helpful in thinking through, like we're in the midst of a land war happening in Ukraine and in the Middle East. Um, There's just a lot going on. We we just survived a pandemic that we thought we'd get through really quickly. 
we did not. Um, but just having that kind of stretching ourselves to have the fortitude um, to hold something. And then, yeah. and then the other half, the, the break. It resonated with me, I guess, in a little bit of a different way, just thinking about how I know I know I, I do things quickly. I process things quickly. I listen to things quickly. And how I think um, the intentional practice of some sort of fermata in my life would be help, helpful in building that fortitude for something in the long haul. So I had to make a lot of decisions this week because there was a lot going on in yeah, worship, right? Yeah, really good scriptures, um, uh, people talking, and then you had to figure out where to focus. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we had uh, we had two videos. We had communion going on. Um, yeah, it was a lot of stuff. And one of the places I wanted to go cause, because I was – I built at the beginning this – my experience of yeah. – of, of anticipating doing one thing and something very different happening mm-hmm. uh, around health stuff. And I, I now that you said uh, b- building the lung capacity, I regret that I left out because one of the PT things that I've had to work on mm-hmm. is building lung capacity and mm-hmm. that I can hold, I could hold a note yeah. for 42 seconds. 52. Was it 52? It I don't was. Remember. I remember because I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that is incredibly impressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and that 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 happens from building it. It doesn't mm-hmm. just just happen because I want it to, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, like if you, you know, as kids, we were always doing the contests of, of swimming underwater and how, how long could you hold your breath underwater. That doesn't just happen, yeah. right? It gets better over time. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I want to think about what are those... What are some of the fermata practices? And, and really think about it as like what could how could I take that metaphor um, into my life, my life of frankly staccato living? And if you're not a music person, staccato is, you know, they're short and they're abrupt intentionally, but that's kind of more how things happen and to build in kind of doing something for capacity and then giving yourself space to breathe and recover. Right. Usually I do that and then I go straight into the next thing, right. Where I don't build in the margin you need to actually have good, good support for a fermata and to recover and then to do what is next well in fact we we more often not find ourselves impatient with things that aren't moving fast enough to the rhythm Um, we anticipate yeah to Mm. the rhythm rhythm we anticipate we're really hitting uh, this metaphor hard it's a good one we are (laughs) let's keep it let's do another few weeks on it yeah why not (laughs) it's only lent you know let's just put it in there pull it in kicking and screaming um, but but that I was thinking about it uh, in a number of ways over the weekend, and one of them was um, thinking about you having the time off mm-hmm. and being able to enjoy uh, some things on the east side of the state that mm-hmm. you haven't. No. And yeah. so so going to an art museum, right? That's that is always an opportunity to slow it down, and mm-hmm. and it's always been a family thing for me because I like I I will much rather find a painting that I want to consume and just sit there and look at that painting than to go and do as many things as possible in the space. Mm. I always want to do a few things than, than as many as possible. Um, so, because every day is doing as many things as possible. Yeah. So, so the Sabbath is being able to take the time to, to really look and, um, 
and suck it in. But I was watching the Grammys last night and noticed how frenetic that was yeah. and how impatient I became when they had some technical things that slowed it down. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have a lot of patience or margin. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, um, I'm trying to be a better model as a leader of building in um, more intentional Sabbath. Like I was in pretty good practice and then I got out of it because it's very easy to get out of it and I want to get back into it. And going to a place that has art, um, I know I talked about this a few, a few, a Lent or two ago on the podcast, but I don't really consider myself someone who's naturally super creative. Um, and I'm just always fascinated about the concepts other people have in their brain or how they translate them, particularly to visual art. Um, and that really is Sabbath for me, just because it helps me see things in entirely new and different ways. Um, it's been in my in my adulthood recently. I went to the one of Merritt Oppenheim's um, exhibitions down in Houston, and I that was the first time I was like moved to tears by art inexplicably. Like I had no idea why I was having this emotional response, um, and that happened to me at the DIA again too. Like I wasn't anticipating it. Just like oh, like wow, like this is um, momentous in a way that I couldn't even my body couldn't even process it. And I was like weeping, and it was this really interesting. Uh, reminder that felt kind of like the the fermata of the going, 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 and then taking in a breath and then allowing myself to experience things I'm normally moving too quickly to experience. Yeah. DIA is Detroit Institute of Arts, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, It's not not do it again. It's not. Which would be kind of the frenetic thing. Yeah. More. Yeah. The Detroit Institute of Art, which I had never, which I had never been to, so... I will go again, and I'm sure I will have all sorts of other experiences. It was lovely. Okay, so I also want to know a little bit about what it was like um, to share about like kind of a crappy time for you. We talk about uh, making sure that we preach, um, you know, from scars, like not from wounds. Um, but so many folks asked you after you got back from your renewal leave and they were like everyone was so hopeful that it was like great and incredible and you just kind of had to like muddle through that a little bit like well it wasn't exactly what I thought you know but you know you don't want to get into it with every single person just trying to shake your hand in the line so I was curious about what it was like for you to uh, preach about that something that felt was kind of recent and super personal yeah well it felt like um I was past the the wounded part and Uh, and certainly um feeling much better and finding that that the pt stuff uh and and the coming together but i thought it was a really important way to say there is not this conflict between science and the work of god Mm. um and uh and that as we approach the scripture about um this person that we don't know what's going on right uh and coming off of like uh cat is uh is doing a piece from her vantage point as as choral director but i thought it was also important to say and that's one passion but her daily passion is around helping people Mm -hmm. with mental and emotional health issues as a therapist um so i i i felt 
I, I, I think it's a good idea for, for clergy not to bleed around their personal stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and not to share from personal experience all the time. At the same time, this was such a um, pivotal moment in the life of the church, and people had been asking that it felt healthy for me to come clean about it in a way that was related to uh, what we were dealing with. And in this case, it forced me into a position of um, of a fermata where you know I had to take a uh, an elongated hard stop at, at you know certainly not at my direction you know um, mm-hmm. but it's what happens it's the way it's the way the body works and as I said everybody has something yeah um, but what happens with that you know what do you what do you do? coming out of that hard stop well you breathe and you figure out where does this where does this go how do i how do i work with it what do i pay attention to yeah um yeah yeah it's it's always interesting um to find that balance of uh what do i let people like know about me and my experience because there's something pertinent um or and somehow perhaps universal or so specific that it'll matter that people understand that representation um, and figuring out how to how to preach because we're not nameless voids, like we're actual people. <laughs> and I know people get that at one level. And at another level, sometimes folks are surprised um, with the really yeah. human struggles we have because we don't, it's not appropriate, you know, to be talking about them within the congregation. Um, I also thought... Uh, and I think it's always it's always helpful because um, t- it's always helpful to name that kind of place between science and faith, because even at a congregation like ours that will generally say, "Yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it." Your embedded theology, like whatever was instilled in you, you know, as a kid, even if you've worked so hard to deconstruct it, it just sneaks up into experiences. And when you're going through it yourself, it comes back in a whole new way. Yeah. So finding spaces to reinforce and, and to do some of that work on our theology um, when we're not in crisis is, all I think, really important and worthwhile. I was grateful you mentioned it. Yeah, well, and I think part of pastoral care, too, because people worry about us. I mean, we are, yeah. we are part of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look at us minimally. Um, once a week and they see how we are Mm -hmm. in space they see how we are in our personalities they see how our personalities relate to each other and how those change you know depending on how we're feeling what's going on Um, and when people worry um, for 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 many people it's I I don't have enough information not to worry and they're not entitled to information about me but I am entitled to offer it yeah yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting space, and I think, um, again, I don't know how many people can relate to the specifics, and yet we've all been in a place where something was entirely out of our control, and it did not go the way we had hoped or expected, <laughs> you know, and like, then we're left with, okay, well, what do we do with that, and how do we, um, you know, be still or move or do whatever is next. The breath, the fermata breath. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about some rabbit holes you went down. Yeah. 
I yeah, I didn't have. It was short this week. I mean, yeah, there wasn't. Uh, it, was, it was full worship, short message. Well, Pray, yeah, and we grateful have grateful to have everybody involved in that. It was great, you know, Cat and um, um, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah. Uh, both those both those videos were were great, um, and uh, and it's like it it feels like people can only consume so much spoken it felt like it was a lot yeah yeah and a lot I, of liturgy <laughs> yes um especially on on a communion sunday um and one thing that i think is helpful there have been some folks that have felt a little like they're concerned because they do not know every single person in the videos <laughs> And I think it's a really interesting and beautiful, helpful reminder that like even this church is like kind of beyond our entire grasp. And there are people connecting here and finding God here in ways, you know, we don't see or we don't know and and we don't necessarily have access to, but we can trust it to be true because the church does what it does. Um, And so if you're someone who felt a little like, oh, I don't know that person, it's okay. You can take a fermata breath. (laughs) You you, you do not have to know everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also think it's helpful for some of the folks we see in leadership to kind of lift some of their voices. So you don't often get to hear Kat's voice um, in talking. You get to hear her sing beautifully, and it might be helpful to know that little bit about her therapy or just why music was important for her growing up in the church. And Sarah is our guidance board chair and doing an incredible job leading um, and is typically pretty chill at the 11 o'clock, right? So you kind of have to go out of your way, right, to... Um, find and connect uh, or she leads a Bible or a, a Sunday school class too but like it's helpful for people to kind of see these leaders and see folks that are newer that have been around for a while that tune in online mostly um, it's been good to hear the word through other folks that aren't just us as a reminder of like hey no there's kind of a vibrant undercurrent of all things you know going on here at Chapel Hill even even if you don't see it we had so many people respond to the PCH playlist stuff with their, you know, songs that are meaningful to them and so forth. Not everybody wants to write or, or do video. a video, yeah. or, um, but thankfully some did, and mm-hmm. it's a gift. It's a gift to us. So, um, yeah, I think it's a helpful reminder that not only can't can't we know everybody, right? We probably shouldn't. We shouldn't. <laughs> we don't have to. We can appreciate them whether we know them or not, yeah. um, and and the fact that they go out of their way to do something public does not give us permission to go after them to <laughs> to, to to you know to get to know more, you know, yeah. and, and that happens, and it, yeah. it's 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 family. It's in that place where the church um, still stretches between being a larger church and a and a smaller family church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up this series. Wrap up. Next week. Um, it's the last of PCH Playlist, and it is on making music together. Um, what does it mean to have parts and to, to have parts to play? Spaces when you rest, spaces when you participate. Um, hopefully you found something <laughs> worthwhile in this podcast, and we're excited uh, to connect with you next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.